I want to talk to you today about the power of God's touch. The power of His touch. This is part of Jabez's prayer when he says, There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do. Keep me from trouble and pain. And God granted his request. It's the hand of God. This word hand in in prayer means uh, a, a lot more than just the hand of God talking about his favor upon us. Uh, as we've been studying and praying the prayer of Jabez as a church family, my hope is that God will use this prayer in our lives to challenge us to believe that God wants us, wants to bless us, and wants to, us to increase our influence in the world around us in this weeks ahead. And as I look back on my life, even before I was saved, I can see the hand of God on my life. I always had a roof over my head. I always had something to eat. I could have followed a path that I was on, but because the hand of God was on me, he made me, he set my feet on that straight path rather than taking that curve. I could have married a woman who was no good for me, who at the first sign of trouble would have head for the hills, as she certainly should have. But she didn't. She stood by me. Fifty years. That's the hand of God. I could have been killed in a war, but God kept me safe through it all. That was the hand of God. And I could have been just a corporate wonk, and yet God gave me a church. Hand of God. His hand has always been on me. And this week we're going to take a kind of a leap of faith as we begin to believe God and share Jesus. And as God begins to open up more and more opportunities in our lives for Him. And when this happens, let me tell you, the enemy is going to get faithful. He's going to begin an assault against us. He doesn't mind that we sit in a pew, that we sing a few songs, dump a few bucks in the plate as it goes by. Shake hands, wear our, 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 our church happy face, and wear our church happy clothes. He doesn't mind that at all. But when we really begin to tap into the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, Satan becomes unglued. Here then's the focus this morning. That your hand would be with me. Lord, may your hand... Be with me. Our prayer should be that we're hungry for the presence of Jesus and say, Lord, I need you. I'm living in total dependence on you. And, and I trust that, that you're going to be there and I believe that you're going to come through for me. Because I believe your hand is on me. And that's the last thing the devil wants to hear. He absolutely hates us to live this way and that's why some Christians really never step up to the faith. It's like covert operation behind enemy lines because as God enlarges our territory for Him, we start taking territory 
away from the enemy. November 1965, the most significant battle of the entire Vietnam War was the Battle of La Drang. And there were 450 U.S. soldiers against more than 3,000 Vietnamese regulars. Highly skilled, highly trained, well-armed Vietnamese. In the La Drang Valley, the Viet Cong had plenty of experience. Eleven years there, they drove the French completely out of Vietnam. Uh, How did these 450 Americans, 12,000 miles away from home, defeat an enemy who knew the terrain had extensive tunnel systems for troop movement and the first to fight this new style of war. How did they win? They won because of leadership. Old guy named Hal Moore, he had an unshakable desire to instill uh, confidence and victory in the lives of his troops. And he did in such a way that they refused to quit. See, you and I have been touched by our Savior, not by some army officer. His right hand is on us this very minute. Right now, you're His hand. God's hand is on you. His, he's our leader, and if, if we want our family to be stronger, our community to be better, and our country to turn around, you and I have to live under the umbrella of the power of God's touch. Oh, John, you know, that sounds kind of hokey. Well, hokey or not, I'm a living testament, as are some of you, of how God has had his hand on your lives. You shouldn't be here, but you are because of God's hand. We have an unshakable desire not to accept defeat. So today, let's examine how to go on in faith. First thing I'd like to talk about is draw me close. That should be our prayer. Draw me close. And this is God's protection. According to God's word, the grabbing of the hand. And we do that, don't we? In the, in the morning, when you come in, you shake hands, and it's, it's that extension of the hand that is, is a, signif- a signification of friendship. 2 Kings 10.15 says, When Jehu left there, he met Jehonadab, son of Rechab, who was coming to meet him after he had greeted, they had greeted each other. Jehu said to him, Are you as loyal to me as I am to you? Yes, I am, Jehonadab replied. If you are, Jehu said, then give me your hand. So Jehonadab put out his hand and Jehu helped him into the chariot. Friendship, chariot protection. And I can't know what Jesus wants me to do unless I stay close to his touch. Well, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. Hey, I don't beat my wife. The kids have food. You know, I'm I'm here. You know, I could have stayed home. It's lousy weather outside. Isn't that enough? Well, no. Are you close to his touch? When our girls were real little and we'd go across a street or or, uh, through a parking lot, we'd hold hands as we walked. And it was done to protect them. 
And now these moms and even a grandma, they no longer hold my hand, but they're still close to me. They still have their daddy's touch. The reality is, as Christians, we do the same thing. If we're not careful and life's, of, uh, and life's dangers and snares come our way, we've gotten so accustomed to going across the busy parking lots and streets of life that we quit holding God's hand. We can do it on our own. Self-made men. We don't need any help. We don't need any assistance. We don't need any advice because we're men. We certainly don't need God. I heard a, uh, coming into church today, I heard a, uh, the, uh, one of the radio shows, and this guy was, uh, uh, he had been a, a member of Bill Haley and the Comets uh, band, and uh, he's a pastor now, and uh, he, he was, was saying that his viewpoint of religion was it was for old, ugly people and kids, <laughs> and, and uh, we don't ha- we got a lot of kids. We don't have any old, ugly people. we got some old people. But uh, none of you are ugly. The reality is that we can do the same thing. If we're not careful and life's dangers and snares come our way, we've gotten so accustomed, we quit holding God's hand. It's because we thi- is it because we think we've got God all figured out? And we know how to cross the street ourselves? Same way with God, isn't it? He's so close we can almost reach out and touch him, and yet he's so magnificent we'll never completely understand him. We're going to heaven if, we, if you've named the name of Jesus as your Savior. You have an eternity, and think of that. Wrap your head around eternity. Never ending. It'll never end. I, I can't explain it because I have this finite mind. But I have eternity to spend with the King of Kings, and I'll never figure him out. Never. Why? Because he's eternal. Because he's infinite. Philippians 3.10 says, I want, you to, I, want to, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Paul prayed, Jesus, I want to know you. you know, when I know you, I'm going to have the hand of the Father on my life. A story is told about an old farm couple. They were, they were riding in their pickup truck. And they're riding along and beautiful day. You know, the sun's shining, the birds are tweeting. It's just a great day. And this dear saintly old lady looks at her husband, hands gnarled from years of hard work on the farm, and faces are wrinkled, their backs are crooked. And she says to him, You know, I miss sitting next to you and cuddling. And he looks at her driving along. He says, Honey, I haven't moved. (laughs) Same deal with God. He looks at us and we say we long for for your hand on our life. We long for that intimacy. We long to to be able to say, Daddy, And he looks down at us and he speaks to our heart and says, Honey, I haven't moved. And maybe you're feeling a little isolated today, a little bit lonely. Maybe you aren't feeling as close to God as you once were. You need to understand that it wasn't God who moved. 
His hand is on our lives. He still protects us. You know, God is still in the blessing business. He hasn't moved. Matthew, look at how Jesus sees us in, in Matthew 23, 37. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. Are we willing to draw close to Jesus? We keep the, the things that we value, we keep them very close to us. Would that God use circumstances, trials, good things and not so good things, whatever it takes to keep me close to Him. Draw me, Lord, close to You. The second thing, keep me clean. Keep me clean. God's hand will give us a pure heart. Psalm 18.20 says, The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He restored me because my, of my innocence. I look at our children in our, in our congregation. I look at these little babies that, that God has given our family. Prejudice hasn't infected them. Wrong thinking hasn't infected them. They aren't drawing political sides. They're little, innocent babies. Nothing has touched them. And that's the kind of innocence God wants us to have. That innocence from sin. We're saved from the power of sin by Jesus' death on the cross, and we have His righteousness placed within us. And the closer you and I are to Jesus Christ, the more we're going to fall in love with Him and the more we're going to hate our sin. Too many Christians don't understand that, the fact and, and the finality of God's forgiveness. John, I've, I've messed up so bad, there is absolutely no way that, that God would want anything to do with me. There's no turning back. He doesn't, he, he doesn't want me. I've just messed up too bad. And, and that's nothing but a lie from the pit of hell because, because I believe if you surveyed a cross-section of American churches and asked this question, are people conditionally or completely forgiven? I bet most of the people would say emphatically that they're only conditionally forgiven. If I jump through this hoop... God's going to forgive me. If I do this, if I pay that, if I give enough money, if I do enough things for the church, then God is going to forgive me. And that's not true. God forgives you unconditionally if you're a child of His. And they base their feeling on, not, on, on how they feel, not from what the Bible says. You know, that's the source of authority. Scripture. Psalm 103, 11 through 12 says, For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins. Listen to this. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And that's, that's, a, that's linear. So if you, if you go east far enough, are you ever going to come to west? No, it's always going to be east. You're not, it's, it's, it's a straight line, and that's how God views our sin when we come to Him in faith. 
because his hand is on us at the time of our salvation. But, but are we walking in that forgiveness? Are we appropriating that in our lives to live better? Has the practical biblical truth enabled us to forget the past and overcome? John, you don't know the damage I've done to my family. Well, the word is forgive. And you practice that. You practice that relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and parents are going to forgive. Parents are going to move past that, that, that holding a grudge. You see that, uh, the, uh, I, I forget, is it New York Life or whatever it is, the, two, the couple are on the dock and, and uh, he's saying, you know, the, the insurance company doesn't hold a grudge. And he looks at his wife and she just grins, you know. New York Life does, or, or whoever, doesn't hold a grudge. Did you hear that? <laughs> and, and that's God. God doesn't hold a grudge. He doesn't keep score. We need to forget the past and overcome it. We, we sang that uh, song today, I'm forgiven because you were for, forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned. I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me because... You died and rose again. God's hand was upon you, it was and is upon you, and it's time to realize that regardless of your past, because of Jesus Christ, we're now totally forgiven and accepted by God. And many don't realize the enemy has them in bondage of resentment and bitterness, and they now poison other people rather than live lives that stir others toward God's love. Many people today have a problem with this idea of forgiving others. They've been abused. They've been neglected. They've been ridiculed. Words have been said in anger. And those things just build up and build up and build up. Maybe it's pride that doesn't let you say, I was wrong. And what a liberating feeling that is. When you can look in the eyes of the person that you wronged and said, my bad, I was wrong, will you forgive me? Say, yeah, but what happens if, if they don't forgive you? That's not your problem. You've done what you were told to do and you have asked for forgiveness and I would bet that if your life truly is reflecting that, the other person is going to accept you and forgive you. I believe that. None of this, I'm sorry. You know, you get, you get caught up short for messing up. And, and I mean, it's, it's not sending an anniversary card that says, happy anniversary from the two of us. <laughs> it's, 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 it's where you really sin against your, your spouse or your friend. And they, they say, you know, that really stung, that hurt. And too often, the response is, I'm sorry, or I'm sorry you feel that way, or I'm sorry that your feelings are so tender that you're wounded. I really didn't mean it. Yeah, you did. If you didn't mean it, you wouldn't have said it. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
Yeah, when I say I'm sorry, I really am sorry. I'm a sorry rascal. Sorry, you can't find that in the Bible. What you do find is forgiveness. Listen to the words of our Lord Jesus uh, on the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 6, 12. He says, And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Friends, people are begging to be forgiven. They're begging to be forgiven. And the truth is that you and I will never feel clean before God if we fail to forgive someone of the sin they have done against us. When David finally became king, he asked if there were descendants that he could bless as an honor to King Saul and to his best friend, Jonathan. And David gave Saul, uh, 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 David forgave Saul and honored David, and Mephibosheth, Jonathan's only son, was blessed to live in the king's palace. Uh, it's, a, it's a really cool story. Understand, David had been running for his life for eight years. Because Saul was out to get him. He wanted to kill him. We can never be free to be what God wants us to be if we fail to forgive others along the way. Draw me close, Lord. Keep me clean, Lord. And the third thing, make me complete. Make me complete. The perfect hand of God. This word hand in our text not only means the power of God, it means that when you hold your bride's hand. We don't, I don't see any of that anymore in church. Holding hands. Holding hands. Grab her hand. I've been grabbing her hand. Okay. <laughs> For over 50 years. It's, it's, not the, it's the same hand. I mean, she's got the same knuckles. She hasn't lost any fingers. She's got a thumb. And she's got this finger. Cooperate. You're an illustration. Do that again, John Batson. No, it's do that again, John Roger Batson. And I know she's serious. But you know what that holding hand means? Strength and protection. You want to hold your bride's hand. Hold her tight, guys. Hold her like you're never going to let her go. I mean, you chose her. You married her. She's yours. She changed her name. You didn't change yours. <laughs> so you've got a responsibility to protect that young lady. God says, it also means consecration. Protection and consecration. When you hold the person you love's hand, your child's hand, a friend's hand, Set apart through the process of sanctification that we're not complete in Christ until we're growing in that relationship. You know, this is the role, this is my role in the church to help Christians understand who Jesus is. People will receive Christ, they'll get baptized, they'll join the church, and some churches do an excellent job of helping believers uh, to, to spiritual maturity, but a few churches have a plan to ensure that every believer finds an appropriate ministry and, and, and even fewer equipped members to win others to Christ and fulfill their life mission. We don't have churches like that. We've done a pitiful job in churches to educate our children, youth, young adults, and senior saints on the Word of God. It's all feel good. 
smoke and mirrors and, and black lights and strobe lights guaranteed to, to get your, your feelings and emotions all jazzed up and all stirred up, but falling woefully short on what the Word of God means to your life. How can you apply the Word of God in your life? It's my job and every preacher's job to preach in such a way that your faith is going to grow. And I will, as every pastor before me, stand before God and answer for what I'm teaching you. He's going to hold me accountable for the words I say to you. So, preaching should answer three questions. Uh, Does it humble the individual? Does it exalt Jesus Christ? Does it promote holiness? That's what preaching should do. In the healthy church, the church and the pulpit must have a plan to grow healthy, mature saints. Let, let, me, let me conclude here. The truth is, we, are Christian, we, we who are Christians have been touched by the Master's hand. How many casualties have taken place in the battles fought along the way? How many Christians do we know who have been ambushed by the enemy and sidelined? David allowed Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, to live in the, in the palace. This, little, this boy, had been, he had been dropped, uh, his nurse, when, he gave birth, when his mother gave birth, dropped him. And so he was crippled, his feet were crippled from birth. And the Bible, the Bible says that he couldn't do anything for himself. And you and I have been crippled by sin, and the battle is, is real, but God's touch is all we need. His touch. And may our prayer for one another be that we stay close to Him. You'll never be complete unless you serve Him and tell others about Him. Friends, I, I pray that you realize the power of His touch. Why? Because you can make a difference in the world you live. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we sang a song, I Surrender All. We sang that song. And, and what does surrender mean? I give up. I'm waving the white flag. I'm, 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 I'm done living the life that has been so unpleasant pleasing to you I lived a deceptive life I lived a life that has caused everyone around me pain there's turmoil and there's chaos Lord I, I, I do I want to surrender everything I have to you today so friends it's my prayer today that if you want to if you want me I don't I don't give invitations often but if you truly are wanting me to, to pray with you and you want to make a, a profession that from we're, I'm putting a mark in the, in the uh, driving a stake in the ground, that from this point on, I'm going to rely upon the Lord Jesus. I'm, I'm seeking his hand on my life. I'm surrendering everything I have, all my past, all my yesterdays just to grab a glimpse of your grace and mercy in my life. You want me to pray with you, 
Matt's going to play a, uh, some, a little bit of the song. And I'll be up here and I'll pray with you if, if you're wanting to come to that place where you're surrendering everything. If you want to surrender to John, I don't know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I've been coming to church. I've been, I've been playing the role. I do not know who Jesus is. Help me. Pray a real simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And in the best way I know how, I ask you to come into my life and save me, Lord. Save me from my sin. I believe when you died on the cross, you died in my place that I could live with you forever. And when you pray that prayer, my friend, God's hand is on you eternally.